All right. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another Pro Football Doc Sports Injury Central podcast. Uh, it's the pre-Super Bowl week, right? The two weeks, the, the dead week or the Pro Bowl week, whatever you want to call it. And uh, I did my Japan scouting for Taylor Swift. We can talk about <laughs> that later. <laughs> Any case, uh, and here's Jacob with us. And you're in your, is that Chiefs red or 49er red? I know the answer to that question. <laughs> yeah, well, 49ers wearing white for the Super Bowl, but I had to had to dust off my Patrick Willis jersey shirt homage to uh, one of the greatest linebackers. <laughs> well, is he going to make the Hall of Fame this year? Uh, I don't know. He's one of those that didn't play long enough. Like I think he played seven years, but he's just. I don't think it matters around. in the NFL. Really. Um, and uh, this is obviously that this is part of the week leading up that they'll announce the the winner or the winners, the the people who are elected to Hall of Fame. Um, baseball, seven years is not enough. Right. It's about career stats. Football, it's about being at the top of your game. And you can have a long career, but if you were never considered the best, it doesn't work. Right. Uh, I've talked to, well, a lot of writers are the Hall of Fame voters. And uh, yet, you know, let's take the example of Terrell Davis. Terrell Davis made the Hall of Fame because he was the best running back in the league for a year or two, dominant, right. and won Super Bowl, right? And that helps too. Where in baseball, you don't have to ever have led the team, led the league in home runs. If you have 500 home runs, you're getting in. Yeah. Right? So it's different. So Patrick Willis is not the seven years. It's how dominant was he for any period of time? Was he looked at as the best? And I, you know, I think maybe he was, right? And so yeah. uh, I, I don't think the seven years hurts you in football like it does in other sports. Terrell Davis didn't even play seven years. Right. And he got in. And if anything, the guys with the Hall of Fame in football is less of a career award. You know, like Antonio Gates is going to get in. Should be first ballot. Does he get penalized because he did test positive once and they don't make him first ballot? Don't know. But certainly he's getting in, whether it's first ballot or not. I think he deserves first ballot by his numbers, but also he was the best tight end in the game yeah. for a long period of time. And if you want to say best, you know, like right up there and, you know, numbers and everything else. So he's first ballot. I'm obviously LT was a league MVP. Boom. He's in easy, right? I'm just talking about guys that I work with junior say, boom, easy, right? Philip Rivers by baseball standards, he for sure is in the hall. Oh, yeah, absolutely. By football. I hope he is. He doesn't have a Super Bowl, even appearance. And that's not just the sole judge, but right. because he was quarterback during a period of time where you have the automatics, the Brady's, and the Manning, right? And let me ask you this question, not that we were planning to talk about this. Who gets in first? Big Ben or Rivers? Ah. Probably Big Ben. Yeah, maybe. Even though that first Super Bowl, he had bad numbers and right. whatever. Who gets in first, Eli or Philip Rivers? Probably Eli. It's a question. Yeah. Two Super Bowls, Eli. I, I don't know. I'm not a Hall of Fame voter. I don't know. 
I think, well, clearly, depending on when he retires, Aaron Rodgers gets in, right? Because Phillip was never league MVP. I, I love Phillip. I think he should get in. Yeah. But I, I think football's judged differently because there was a lot of around him there. My hope and expectation is Philip gets in eventually, but certainly not first ballot, second ballot. I mean, it may take him a couple of years. There has they've got to clear out the other quarterbacks first, and then he's got to find his way in. So I hope he does. But anyways, didn't mean to go sideways off your jersey. I was joking about whether you. I know you're a 49ers fan, <laughs> but since the Chiefs are wearing red, and my red is just by luck, right? It's just yeah. red medical. You know, Red Cross, da 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 da. But you're red there in the lighting. It's like, yeah, you know, the Chiefs are wearing red, not white. <laughs> Your team's wearing white. Anyways, usually it's interesting that they made a big deal about that. In, uh, in, uh, and the Chiefs, if I'm not mistaken, wore red last time in Miami too, right? Yeah, I believe so. I was going to quiz you on last time uh, where you were last time uh, these two teams met up, but you already you beat me to the punch. Is Miami? Where was I? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Look, Jacob, I remember that. You're not going to get me on that. But <laughs> as far as uh, color uniform goes, um, Miami's the sorry Kansas City is the home team again. It's by the host team. The Raiders are in the AFC. The Chiefs are the home team. Miami was AFC. The Chiefs were the home team. And the home team gets the color choice and the whatever. That's just how they do it. There's nothing, oh, they got to do it last time against San Francisco. Right. That has nothing to do with it. The irony, though, is in theory, unless there's some backroom change, the uh, Chiefs practice at the Raiders facility. Oh, really? Yeah, that's what happens. <laughs> Home team, AFC, yeah, they get the choice. Like there's two hotels set up and two practices, but in theory, Raiders personnel will help the Chiefs, you know, in the background because yeah. facilities, whatever. Now, I do believe the Chiefs can say, no, we'll take another option if they choose to do that. But it's it's interesting. Yeah, that's what that is. As far as the Miami Super Bowl, I remember that Super Bowl very, very well. We're talking about Super Bowl stories. The uh, you want to go into that now, or do you want to do it next week? Yeah, it no, doesn't matter to me. Let's jump right there. There wasn't a looking. There wasn't too many key injuries going in. I think Tevin Coleman was the biggest one on the Niner side, and uh, Chiefs didn't have anything. Chris Jones coming off a mini calf deal, but wasn't really, even really a strain. Well, the Chiefs. Uh, you mean uh, you mean then or or now? Uh, that that was back then. Yeah, obviously then, he's right. fully yeah, healthy then, now. Yeah, then there wasn't much at, at all. And if you think about it, we've done this for a while now. I mean, the reason why we did so well in the wild card round is there were more injured teams. Yeah, and we were three and zero on our your guaranteed picks in the algorithm. Because there was clearly a more injured team. But then the Eagles got knocked out. The Dolphins got knocked out. The Browns got knocked out. Then what he left with? Well, last, then we had the Bills with their linebackers getting injured. It was a smaller disadvantage, but it still was. 
and they got knocked out. So every time, every week, if what we're saying is true, that injuries matter, well, guess what? The more injured teams didn't make the playoffs, and then the remaining teams that made the playoffs that had injuries get knocked out. Every week is healthier and healthier. It's called natural selection. Unless you win the game and have new injuries, which there are some here, yeah. but that's been my experience every year in the in the Super Bowl. And Miami was the last big one for me, uh, in the sense that where I was all in there all week in Miami, Radio Row, the whole thing, credentialed to a press credential to the game. I still remember. Uh, that it was interesting to me that literally live and Cosmos in the picture here, making a guest appearance (laughs) live, there'd be a kickoff. And in the press box, the TV was the NBC broadcast. There'd be a kickoff, touchback, offense around the field, defense around the field. The TV would still be a commercial. The snap, (laughs) they were breaking the huddle. Then we'd see the kickoff. It was that long of a delay. Wow. And I was like, I don't know how the NFL is going to deal with this with in-game wagering. Right? That's a tremendous – I mean, if you know what the the next play is, an 80-yard touchdown ball, (laughs) (laughs) you know, before everyone on TV knows, that's – so I don't know. But I remember that as an impression. I also remember that was a game where – the Chiefs were down by 10, head, headed into the fourth quarter, and won by double digits. And that's how explosive the Chiefs were in the past. And, of course, right. it was Tyree Kill. And also another big memory for me, that Super Bowl, because I was credentialed for the game and the whole deal, you get to go into the locker rooms and whatever. And... uh I did go into the 49ers locker room after the Chiefs locker room. And uh, when I walked in, I happened to see or run into John Lynch. And I wasn't going to do much more than, oh, I ran into high and just walked by him because it's got to be. Yeah. And he was so downtrodden, yet he literally took the time and said hello, asked how I was. And I was like, are you kidding me? How, how am I? Does it really <laughs> matter? I mean, in this moment. And uh, he was honestly very understandably dejected. And his sentiment was, boy, and I'm paraphrasing, I don't remember the exact quote, but he was fully aware that we had a 10-point lead in in the fourth quarter, and we didn't close it out. But, like, that's, I mean, when are you going to ever get that chance again? Well, they get it again, you know, in this way. They're playing the team again, and we'll see what happens. But, I mean, I, I really felt uh, – I like John. He's a really, he's from San Diego, so that's how I know him over time. But really good guy, and he just was so understandably dejected because they lost the Super Bowl, but it was in their grasp. And yet he was still taking time to be very – I was like, why? I wasn't even trying to run into you. I'm not asking you any <laughs> questions, you know. He's just being a nice guy in a very difficult moment, right? So always been a John Lynch fan. and glad he's in the Hall of Fame, yeah. as I think he should be. I think Rodney should be in the Hall of Fame, but that's a whole other story. Rodney Harris. <laughs> <laughs> we can get to that. That's a whole other story. 
but yeah, so I remember those Super Bowls really, really well. Going backwards, I mean, I can tell you the the uh, sequence of uh, Super Bowls, right? Obviously, last year Arizona with the Chiefs over Eagles. The year before that was L.A. SoFi Rams over Bengals. I almost so I always forget about the Tampa one because no one went because it yeah. was COVID year. <laughs> That's right. I didn't go. Um, and obviously it was uh, uh, Bucks over uh, over Chiefs. Before that was Miami over San Francisco. Before that was uh, let's see Miami. Before that it was Minnesota uh, Patriots uh, uh, and uh, Eagles. Eagles winning. Before that was Houston. I think uh, no. Before that was Atlanta Super Bowl and then Houston Super Bowl. Uh, so. Kind of remember the before that was, was in San Francisco. In <laughs> then it was before that was in Arizona. Before that was in New York. That was the first radio I went to. The one in New York, Seattle, and, and the Broncos. So they'll all start. They're starting to run very much together. But anyways, <laughs> yeah, you're not going to get me on those because I spend like a week in town there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I would say this long, is the calm. This is the calm before the storm time. for you because. Uh is the dead week, but then you're doing the Vegas and radio row, uh, of course, uh, next week. So that'll be, uh, be plenty to talk about then, but give you a little preview here on the podcast. Yeah. The radio row will be good. There'll be lots of people there and it'll be good. And, uh, and yeah, I, I just got back from Japan yesterday and, uh, I didn't realize that like I landed there. I left Sunday night after, the conference championship games and by the time i landed right um i literally got off the plane and it was time for me to do the uh my weekly serious hit with jim and pat serious x oh, that's great the first question and I, and I had told the producer hey i'm going i'm going to be in japan and i went to give a lecture at the acl study group it's kind of a prestigious group and i because it's always near super bowl time and it's usually a faraway place i've missed the last couple it was yeah. in uh, uh virgin islands the time before that and the time before that it was it was in phuket thailand and oh, wow. it's always right around super bowl so it's like i can't take all that time this year i had to go it was in a ski resort in in uh, in niseko japan northern japan great snow there it's like it's so airy and light it's different oh, snow wow. than anywhere else but anyways if I didn't go, I was going to get kicked out of the group. <laughs> so I had to <laughs> go and give a lecture. But anyways, I land, and Jim and Pat, Jim was asking about, oh, you're scouting Taylor Swift. I'm like, I didn't even know about all this <laughs> Taylor Swift in Japan uh, kind of thing. But let me tell you something. As my kids told me when I called them, they said, because of the, he crossed the date line, right? Yeah. They're 11. The first thing they asked me was, Dad, tell us about the future. <laughs> right and uh when i came back on wednesday yesterday i literally left at about 8 8 30 from tokyo and i landed about 12 30 in the afternoon wednesday in la wow so it's a time machine yeah uh, marty mcfly and the delorean and back to the future <laughs> but you know maybe uh Maybe what we should do is uh, send someone from SIC to Japan on Super Bowl Sunday, and then 
know the result and then you fly back and you can no just joking yeah. <laughs> it doesn't work that way yeah uh, i think it's the future as they say I, I know all the taylor swift stuff's hilarious i read a story on the athletic they're like oh they're not sure if they have room for her at the las vegas airport i was like i think the nfl can make a call and uh, make sure she lands directly they're like oh she might well, have to fly into LA i guarantee and you the nfl has their slots right yeah. all their owner <laughs> slots and goodell slots and I'm sure they could figure it out. But the other thing is, I saw some on the internet too. First of all, the concert's Saturday night. Yeah. She's got plenty of time to fly. If the concert were Sunday night, it might be close. Right. Because the game's Sunday afternoon, 3.30. But I just told you, I left at 8 and got there at 12.30. So yeah. uh, Taylor could leave at 11.00. And get there almost around kickoff, right? Even, yeah. But that's if it's Sunday. This is a Saturday concert. If she wants to come, there's plenty of time for her to make it by the flight. And believe me, she's not landing in LA and driving. <laughs> <laughs> by the way, there are more than there is more than one airport in the Las yeah. Vegas area. I think there's at least three within 30 minutes, at least private airports. So, as a matter of fact. The Raiders facility in Henderson, in south, south of truly Las Vegas, is right next to a private field, Henderson Airport. Oh, wow. Actually, I'll uh, show you a picture. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah. So I don't, the, the, to think that that's a problem, we even, I don't even think the NFL needs to call. No, but it, they could if they needed to. <laughs> But the NFL certainly has their slots and could call, et cetera. Well, while you're pulling that up, just want to say uh, if you guys could give us a five-star review on wherever you get podcasts, Apple, Spotify, whatever, it goes a long way. We're going to start doing guests after uh, Super Bowl wraps up. So feel free to send your feedback on Twitter and uh, podcasts, et cetera. So I don't know if you can see. I'll it send is. it to you and you can Anyone put it in there. Anyone tune into the YouTube, I'll cut it in right there. Yeah, there's a Raiders facility. That's an indoor oh, that's facility. Great. You can punt in there. So it's this big warehouse thing. And that is the private facility next to it. No, I don't have a plane. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. Well, uh, All right. Let's roll into some of your topics. Yeah, let's uh, hit on some of the injuries. I'm sure to be all the talk next week on Radio Row, but we'll give you a little preview here. Um, already talked some Joe Thune last week. Uh, what, what has changed in that situation Going forward, I know Schefter already kind of foreshadowed it on the uh, Pat McAfee show. I loved what Schefter said. He went into uh, right guard or left guard, right side, a gap. I mean, that's been our song. So yeah. I love what Schefter said. I love Adam. I mean, Adam's awesome. Yeah. And and he's indicating it's still being more severe. The question is, the only way that he plays is if it's a minor muscle strain that by three weeks from injury, he's okay. If there's a muscle tear and Schefter didn't specify, he said he, uh, if it's a tendon tear, there's no way. And you're still talking surgery for him. But if it's a muscle tear, if it's minor, maybe, but I don't know. You, can you think of crazy things like let's flip them to the right side? So the left, yeah. but I mean, as I tell people, as good as Joe Thune is, and as a great of an athlete as all these guys are, 
it's not always that easy to just flip sides. I mean, it's like literally the difference between a right-handed layup and a left-handed layup. I mean, most people who are right-handed can't shoot a left-handed layup unless you're good at basketball. And even then, you're probably still better from the right side than the left side, even though you can do both, right? I mean, we're we're handedness, and that's the same thing when you flip somebody. It's what about the other guy that has to flip the other way? And his, I yeah. mean, you got to get both sides. You can't just say we're playing Thuny, and what are you going to? You know what I mean? So uh, it's, uh, I think it's still going to be hard for Thuny to play. And unfortunately, the other one, Charles and Menifee. Yeah. Our in-game fears were confirmed of an ACL tear. Yeah, they have kind of a little bit of depth at that position, but he was definitely big in that uh, that AFC Championship game, causing the strip sack. Yeah, he caused the strip sack, but also uh, uh, Naughty is uh, with the right. triceps is likely still out, right? So they're a little bit shorter there. Obviously, Chris Jones is there and healthy, but uh, and that's. Yeah, it's something to consider for the Chiefs. And, of course, their free safety has been out for a while with the ankle. Yeah. And uh, Willie Gay with the neck. Chiefs injuries that I'm not thinking of? Willie Gay with the neck. We'll see if the two weeks helps. Uh, Willie Gay with the neck is is significant. Uh, It's a Super Bowl. Uh, As I always speak to, there are some magical healing powers in that extra week before the Super Bowl. (laughs) I mean, going back to C.J. Uzama and his MCL and – Going back to Terrell Owens and his broken ankle, that was six weeks ago. <laughs> There's lots of examples. Uh, I, I got to believe Willie Gay is playing. The question is, what's his risk of aggravation and having to come out? Now, I know how that sideline conversation is going to go. And I've been the host physician for the Super Bowl twice. You have to understand that the home team usually is the host physician for the road team because the road team doesn't have hospital privileges doesn't have access to certain things so so it's the home team's responsibility to help but the chiefs are the home team but their doctors have no las vegas area knowledge and no privileges so the nfl sends in a team of doctors do special events uh jim ellis is one of the guys they're they're there for the game they're there to make sure the crowd they're there for owners and their family you know because you know, you got 32 billionaires, well, more than 32 billionaires between all the partial owners and their families there. So that's hundreds of people right. that if you forget your blood pressure medicine or or you get a cold or you don't feel, I mean, that's, that's in and of itself a big task, not to mention the ranking officials at the league office and whatever. I mean, the NFL basically takes over an entire hotel, their operations. Yeah. So they have in-house medical there. But they they're the backup doctors. But the likely the the Raiders physicians will provide some local support because the NFL doctors that come in are not local either, right? So they'll rely on some of some of that. They're there well ahead of time. I mean, months ago they scouted out the locations and the routes and which hospitals and and what have you. So that's an interesting deal. But back to the point. Willie Gay is going to lobby to play like everyone else. And I can already hear the discussion. If he tweaks his neck again, he's going to say, I'm not coming out of the game. Who cares? I got all, I got all off season to heal. <laughs> yeah. And so the team physicians will have to deal with that conversation. 
because there's no next week, right? So yeah. during the season, no, 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 you, it can get worse. He's going to say, I got six months. I mean, you know, let's go. Uh, so we'll see. But Willie Gay is definitely a, uh, a worry there. And uh, the other injury to talk about perhaps is is number 19. Yeah, I was going to – I wrote, wrote some this morning to see if Kadarius Tony is going to be able to talk his way onto uh, the active roster for that game. Uh, missed the last six weeks with – hip and ankle and then uh had the instagram live uh thing come out and andy reed addressed it but didn't address it just said he's working through some things so be interesting to see if uh if he's active for the game well here's all we know um i'm really glad i mean he was ruled out of the afc championship game with hip and personal reasons right i'm really usually you want to keep personal reasons personal right but I'm really glad it got leaked out or revealed that it was related to the birth of his child as opposed to disciplinary. Because it just looked like, oh, personal, as in yeah. there's something not right there. Look, he's you know, ruled out because he was having birth of his child. That's great. The hip, we often see, we don't see everything, right? But often what we don't see is as important as what we do see. Let's take Debo Samuel. So we said, everyone's like, oh, Debo Samuel, it's kind of like the other week six injury. He missed a couple weeks. Is he going to play? And we said, well, we don't see it as a scapula fracture. We don't see that injury. So we think it's more muscular, potentially nerve. They're working more on the triceps and back. That's why all week we said we're cautiously optimistic that Debo will play. And Friday before the game against the Lions, he said, once we found out it wasn't the same injury as week six that he felt good about going. And that's kind of what we said, but we don't see. To be honest with Tony, I don't know that we ever identified a play or saw anything on his hip. That doesn't mean it even happened in the game. And it doesn't mean it's not real. And it doesn't mean that it's not real enough to prevent him from playing. I'm not saying this is a fake injury and the, and the Chiefs don't like him. Likely is it's a real injury, and because he's struggled a little bit this season, Tony, this season with a muscle hip injury, is not as potentially effective as Michael Hardman. So therefore, that's the thing. So you know you can have say, well, he would like because he lined off offsides, he's not playing anymore. I don't know. It's that like that. It's just that right. he has had a great year, and now you're a speedy guy with a hip muscle injury not a big body guy with a muscle injury right and so you make your living with your speed and separation you're a half step slow doesn't that make hardman or whoever who they acquired the better option right and without there being conspiracy theories that you know about falling out of favor look everyone knows he's not in the best favor he hasn't had a great year Okay. Yeah. And no one knows that more than me who drafted him in fantasy football. <laughs> <laughs> uh, did a lot of high ceiling drafts today, and he was yeah. this year. That was one of them that <laughs> ended up being a very low floor, which kind of comes with high ceiling sometimes. <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah, that's, I don't think his hip injury is significant, but it becomes a roster spot decision. Um, I was watching. Roster spots are, are precious. 
I ended up watching part of the 49er Lions game over at a friend's house, figuring out kids running around and whatever. And I won't say the name of the guy, but a guy who, uh, you know, in theory, I don't know, was on a practice squad or something in the NFL and happened to be there. And he was all excited in the first half because the Lions were crushing. And he said, he said to me, you know, the rumors, right? I said, what's that? That the Lions make the Super Bowl. They got to get Barry a ring. They should put him on the active roster and let him have a carry, right? <laughs> I'm like, what? There's no way. He goes, well, first of all, I don't even know how Barry is, old yeah. Barry is. He's got to be 50, right? Yeah. He's, oh, yeah, he's in great shape. I said, first of all, the most that they'll do is, and even this would be a lot, to put him on the practice squad, right? In theory, they could do that. They yeah. never really filed retirement papers, but they're not going to use up one of the 46 spots. What are they going to do? Carry seven offensive linemen instead of eight to make room for Barry? I mean, come on. <laughs> Give them a carry? I mean, come on. No coach is going in one man short in the biggest game of their life and, and kind of deal. And if they want to get him a ring, they can. The ownership can just order an extra one and give it to him. <laughs> I mean, you, you know what I mean? But He's 50, obviously, 55, that's by the way. They lost, but I was just like, no, yeah. it doesn't work that way. Barry's 55, by the way. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, even, funny. even if it were a victory formation type play, a, you're not going to let him take a snap. B, you're not going to try and hand him off the ball. I mean, what happens if, you know, you'd be the laughing stock of whoever? Um, another thing to, that just happened this morning before you hopped on the podcast. Remember when I talked to you about that uh, Cardinals versus Steelers Super Bowl and the James Harrison play yeah. and Larry Fitzgerald? It's on my timeline now. Ari Maroff, who tweeted that 15 years ago today was that play where James Harrison intercepted it on the goal line and ran it all the way back for a touchdown with no time on the clock in the first half. And I always remember I pointed out to you, and you can see it very clearly on Ari's replay, who, by the way, made his first public podcast experience, uh, uh, podcast or public appearance ever was actually on this podcast. Yeah. Look at him now. <laughs> <laughs> no, we just were better good timing I mean, we asked him or right. asked him at the right time and he was ready to you know do more things and now he's of course more everywhere than he ever was so shout out to ari but anyways you can see very clearly fitzgerald runs into antrell roll on the sidelines where he's standing on the white look he's standing on the white at his own 30 yard line the play was at the other goal line he had yeah. no idea that it was ever going to become anything so i'm not trying to blame him but Fitzgerald gets blocked out of bounds, runs down, and runs right into roll, and he caught Harrison at the goal line. And remember, it was a reviewed play for a touchdown. Yeah. Undoubtedly, he would have caught him short if he didn't run into roll. Yeah, Fitzgerald had a head of steam when he ran into roll, so he had to start. Yeah, you'll look at that. Him. And does that change the game? They they only won by what three or four points? Twenty yeah, seven, so. twenty four, twenty seven, twenty three. So if that even if time doesn't run out at the half. Do they really score a touchdown or do they kick the field goal, right? Yeah. That's in the end, that was the margin. So uh going on to the Niners side, um 
Kyle Shanahan kind of surprised everybody with the George Kittle toe day to day. We knew about Ambry Thomas saw his ankle sprain in game. He's taped and ready to go, but we went back looking for Kittle's toe, and I sent you a couple of plays, Doc. Uh, did you see anything of those? Every Thomas looks fine, right? Inversion ankle sprain. The, the extra week will definitely help him. Right. He'll be okay to play. Uh, Dre Greenlaw is a non-issue at this point, right? He's played well yeah. off his uh, heel stuff. Um, Kittle, once again, what we don't see. We see him eh, favoring it a little bit, but I don't remember. Do you remember his target share? Did it change at all? I mean, but Kittle is just as effective as a blocker as anything else. Yeah, so. I think the game plan was to have him block because he only had two catches for 27 yards, and one one of those was a 28-yard catch. So they didn't throw him too much. I think it was just three targets on the game. Yeah, I don't think that uh, – I mean, Kittle's playing. First of all, he's Kittle, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, whatever, he's he, his playbook is open. CMC, no, no issues. Um, the Theragun on the sidelines. It's football. CMC, no issues. Debo, obviously, people aren't worried about after his last performance. Not worried about Kittle. Ayuk, obviously, with that huge catch, right? Yeah. Um, everybody, everybody in San Francisco is pretty good to go. There's a slight injury advantage to or disadvantage to the Chiefs, but as is typical in general, for the most part, shocker two relatively healthy teams in the Super Bowl. That's been since the whole time I've been doing all the Radio Row stuff. Yeah, and, you know, people still have me on and doing stuff, but they're actually, first of all, there's only one game. Yeah. There actually typically is not a lot to talk about. Last year, there was a lot to talk about only because, oh, my God, Patrick Mahomes in the ankle. But we right. knew he was going to be fine. Oh, my gosh, Jalen Hurts in the SC joint. We knew he'd be fine. But at least there were some more talking points this year. I mean, Thune, uh, Menahue being out, uh, there's some talking points, but typical, there's not a lot of injury information. I mean, you, you go into finer details, but yeah, the healthier teams prevail. That's part of the deal, right? And I know we went into the game saying Thune was potentially a big deal and, and uh, what's going to happen to the Chiefs run game and Really, it was the Ravens run game that disappeared, whether for whatever reason, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think they ran three times on early downs and Lamar ended up throwing 37 times. I know a lot of that's in the second half trying to chase, but I thought it was interesting the the way they used Mark Andrews and Isaiah Likely too. Isaiah Likely led the team when Mark Andrews was out. He only saw two targets compared to Mark Andrews getting three. Yeah, I mean, we knew Likely was still going to play. We knew Andrews wasn't going to have the big game. You know, but he would have been better this week, but there's no this week. But I don't know. I mean, it's an interesting Super Bowl here. And you look at it. Obviously, the 49ers in the first half got dominated by the Lions, but yet they came back and won. And yeah. look, a lot has been made about Dan Campbell going for it, <laughs> not going for it, all that stuff. I don't know. I mean, if Josh Reynolds catches that pass, I mean, it's the same coaching, right? They I don't the right know. play calls on fourth down. I'll say that. Yeah, so, you know, you can argue it either way. And is a 48-yarder or a gimme? I mean, I think you can argue it either way. It's it's fun to talk about it. But I think here's an overlooked thing here. The Ravens, so everyone's saying, oh, the Chiefs are on a roll now. And yeah, they are. They're in the Super Bowl. And they have Patrick Mahomes, and they're never out of a game with Patrick Mahomes. But if I would have told you 
in the AFC championship game, one team is plus three on turnovers. The other is minus three. Do you not think it's a double-digit blowout? Right. It was 17-10. The Chiefs didn't really move the ball in second. I mean, go back. I'm not trying to blame Zay Flowers, but the Zay Flowers play, but the Ravens are minus three on turnovers. And that's a, a 90, yeah. 99% win loss when you're minus three on turnovers. And they kept it to a one-score game. No, that's key. Just observation is all. Yeah. I think uh, all eyes will be on the kicker warm-ups ahead of the Super Bowl, too. We'll see if Jake Moody, uh, <laughs> Jake Moody gets out of the way for Kelsey and Mahomes. That was kind of an interesting deal. Yeah. Yes. And to me, the most interesting deal is how I think it's the way of the world now, how polarizing everything is. There's no middle road. It's either... Uh, Kelsey and Mahomes are assholes. Justin Tucker always warms up, and the rules are that you're allowed to warm up on the other sideline ahead of time on the other side of the field, and that every kicker does it. And then there's the other side, which is Justin Tucker's was BS, shouldn't have been there, and Mahomes and Travis Kelsey had every right. First of all, Yes, every kicker in the NFL practices going both ways before the designated time period. Now, there is a loophole in the rule that a team can designate their time period different than standard, and I don't think that question's been answered. Did the Chiefs designate an earlier time period? If that is the case, if they did, then Tucker's not supposed to be on that side. If you want to kick, you want to do something, you got to do it earlier. But the other thing that I tried to say is I wouldn't say Tucker was in the wrong. And I wasn't saying that Tucker didn't have a right to be there. I was more in the middle. I'm just saying you can't tell me that he was using the goalpost from the goal line. He was sitting there stretching. He just had his ball and helmet laying there. You can't put your ball and helmet somewhere else, right? I mean, yes, he has every right to be on both sides, but is there something special about stretching at the five yard line and having your <laughs> balls at the goal line, your extra kicking balls and, and your helmet at the goal line? I mean, and apparently, so I think the truth is somewhere in the middle. Maybe this is part of Justin Tucker's routine. He just likes to do it there. I mean, it's fine, but he didn't need to do it there. And what I've seen pregame is, there's a little bit of courteousness, like, hey, can you move this, that, the other, and and people accommodate, or hey, give me give me two more minutes and then I'll be done. Okay, fine, you, you know. But apparently, Mahomes Tucker says I do that all the time. That's his retort, and I'm allowed to. And Mahomes said we asked him to move, he moved the ball like two inches. <laughs> and so uh-huh. he just and Patrick said, oh, I could, I was going to live with that. And Mahomes yeah. is the one. Look, if if. Kelsey's the one. Now, if Kelsey right. picks up his balls, the footballs, and the helmet and places it five yards away. I don't think there's much controversy either, <laughs> right? Because he wasn't actively using anything there, and he didn't want his quarterback to trip over it in case or whatever. Mahomes well, wasn't going to trip over it. He was right. that, you know, but instead he sort of tossed it, which is kind of what made, <laughs> you know, I mean. 
it's a little puffing your chest on both sides. Yeah. It's not, I don't think Tucker's evil. I don't think Kelsey or Mahomes are evil. I mean, <laughs> can we be realistic somewhere in between, you know, instead it just became one or the other. I think it's amusing is all it is. Yeah. That's what you miss with social media too. You miss all the context of Mahomes asking him and then him moving it two inches and then the ball gets tossed. It just looked like Kelsey came over and tossed the balls over for no reason. So, yeah, it, you know, it's the perspective in editing, right? Or as they say, it's the, it's always the last guy right in that gets yeah. the penalty. You didn't yeah. see all the stuff before you didn't see Mahomes asking a movie, he moved it two inches and Mahomes, at least if you believe, like I like tend to believe people. If Justin Tucker says he always warms up there, I, I believe him. Mahomes said we asked him to move. He moved it a little bit. I was willing to let it go, but then Kelsey went and did it. I, I have to believe what they say unless there's, they're caught lying, you know, uh, kind of thing. I want to give an update on the head coaching searches, and then we'll get into some NBA injuries that uh, have popped up lately. But uh, right before we hopped on, Dan Quinn uh, is the new commander's head coach. Uh, Rumors were that they wanted Ben Johnson, but he wanted to stay in in Detroit to try to win a Super Bowl. So uh, good on Ben Johnson for for not caving and just going for a head coaching job. I think uh, Dan Campbell will be happy, no doubt. I think what made headlines there was that the Lions were in route. Okay? Um, look, if the ACL study group canceled my lecture and i'm in route and in route meant so i drove from san diego after the games to la flew to tokyo changed terminals got another flight to chitosi airport in sapporo took a bus to the hakata region to niseko if i'm on that bus when they cancel my my talk i'm not happy okay <laughs> but if they cancel my talk right after I get in the car leaving San Diego, I'm like, yeah, I got myself a, a couple of free vacation days in San Diego right? where I'm booked out of work. I'm not that upset. And look, Washington brass wasn't flying on Southwest and changing planes. <laughs> so at what point, did they find out? I get it's kind of juicy that, you know, whatever kind right. of thing, but I would sincerely doubt that they were in the hotel in Detroit, you know, or on their way, having landed and on their way and whatever. I'm sure it was in route met. Who knows? I left my house for the day. We're headed to meet at the airport or the private plane or we got to the team facility with our bags packed. And, you know, I don't know. I'd love to hear the background story details yeah, there. Depends where. I don't think it's as dramatic as you know. <laughs> I, I think it's, it's look if you're meeting someone for a for a casual dinner, and you're supposed to meet them at seven o'clock to tell them at six fifty five when he's basically there that I'm canceling is is pretty rude. Even just to have dinner with somebody, unless it's some super emergency. But if you change your mind because today in San Diego, it's raining and you don't want to go out to dinner tonight at seven o'clock. You know, the guy may not be happy, but if he didn't leave his house yet, <laughs> yeah. you know, or, you know, that, I don't know. I think a big deal was made about that. I think the more interesting point is what Tom Brady's dad said about Bill Belichick. Uh, he's a great coach, but 
you know, <laughs> uh, and the Robert Kraft pull aside apology. I picked the wrong horse. Uh, I don't know. I think that's interesting. Um, coming from the dad, he's entitled, you know, whatever. Yeah. But I think I, who would have thought in the game of musical chairs for coaching jobs that Belichick would have zero. Yeah. He'd be the guy standing there without a chair at the end of the music. And a guy half his age is coaching Seattle. Yeah. It's interesting. <laughs> I mean, not, uh, not to poke at the age too much, but it is funny that, uh, Mike McDonald, the 36 year old is, uh, has the job and not the veteran established, uh, Bill Belichick. Yeah. There's some ageism in the NFL. I was going to say something. I get myself into trouble. <laughs> I tried to. <laughs> What's that? I, I tried to bait you there. <laughs> I know. I mean, Belichick is how old? I think he's 72. I got to double check that. Okay. So if agent and Pete Carroll is whatever. Yeah. Uh, so it's. Got to be close to that. I, I'll just say this. Is it harder to be a head coach or be a run a country? 71 he turned 72 in april 16th so he would be 72 right. yet next all right week. so this is this is apolitical because it's both sides <laughs> <laughs> 71 and 72 is too old to coach but yeah not too old to run a country i think Leave the country it runs that. itself at this point that's both sides so don't yeah. you know <laughs> <laughs> can't get out to you for that yeah well okay. i'm sure someone will but someone will whatever. Uh, let's jump over to NBA real quick. I uh, had two big injuries covered on uh, sixscore.com, SIC score. You can head there or uh, on our Twitter for the latest. Um, start with Julius Randle, left-handed player for the Knicks, um, forward, dislocated his right shoulder, I believe it was the 27th, 25th, something like that, just a week ago. But uh, we posted analysis that that's going to be a, a significant injury, especially uh, if there's a label tear. So can you get more into specifics on that? Yeah. Well, first of all, great job from the staff, like, you know, Embiid and otherwise like video and I'm in Japan and yeah. <laughs> the whole deal. But as far as Julius Randle, and, and by the way, I know a pro football doc. Let me tell you, I've worked basketball. I've worked basketball with the Chicago Bulls. I've worked basketball with the Minnesota Timberwolves. But my experience in NBA basketball is dwarfed by, you know, football. So that's why it's pro football doc. So I do uh, get an internal chuckle sometimes of, like, people who sometimes say, oh, I worked with it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I worked with the this, that. <laughs> I mean, pro football doc because it's a vast depth of experience. But do have in our staff. Of course, we have the former Bulls head team position right. on our staff, too. But we do have a lot of basketball experience. That's why it's Sports Injury Central, not Sports Football or Pro Football Central. But anyways, right. um, Julius Randle dislocated his shoulder, his right shoulder. That was apparent on video. 95-plus percent of the time. And I'd say in Julius Randle's case, it's probably 99% chance he has a labral tear. Okay. That's just the natural history of it. He's not a teenage girl who's hyper lax and the shoulder came out without tearing something. 
he's a NBA player who's been through it all and this, that, the other. He's got a labral tear. Now, here's the key. Is it possible that he could return to play in three weeks with some sort of harness, rehab his shoulder? It is possible. But even if he does, I think the chances of re-dislocation are high, including this season. I think it's very difficult to play NBA basketball with a harness on. You go look. There are lots of defensive players. And I guess we can go back and do research in this Super Bowl. I'll bet there are at least two you know, um, one on each team, at least two players that are playing through a dislocated shoulder. And we can probably do that, and they'll end up with off-season shoulder surgery. But they're playing DB, okay, the harness. They can't reach right. all the way up. They're this, that, the other. And if there were, so were Julius Randle's dominant arm, there's no way he could do it. Because it's his off arm, Maybe, but even then, you still got to play defense. You still, you, you know, you got to be ambidextrous. Right. It's very hard in NBA to play through with a torn labrum with a harness. And without the harness, you risk redislocation. So I get it. In some ways, this three weeks may be, let's see how you do. Because if you have surgery now, you're done. Yeah, it's season anyways, so why not wait another three weeks? Yeah, so I still think that you're, the Knicks will not have Julius Randle when it, later this year. Will they play with the idea and try and see how he can do? Maybe, and you know that's a patient, player-driven decision. I don't see what where are the Knicks at in the in the standings now. They're they're doing real well this year. I think they're. Sixth, seventh, maybe they are. They might be up in fourth place. They're like, I don't almost see, thirty wins. I I think from a injuries matter standpoint, whatever you predict and people predict for the Knicks for this season, you have third, to predict third place in the East. What's that? Third place in the East, thirty-one and seventeen. I think you have to project their playoff performance as without Julius Randle. Whether it's because he just never comes back, or he comes back for a little bit and is and redislocates and is done, or he comes back and isn't quite the same, I think you have to project what the Knicks do this year minus Julius Randle, at least in the end game of things. Yeah, I think I saw uh, some comments on our post that Carmelo Anthony came back and did it in two thousand six. Completely different players. Uh, Julius Randle's in the mix for rebounds and. And defending the post, and it seems like that would be the the toughest. To yes. you can't really protect your off shoulder if you're not dictating it on defense or rebounding. Um, the other one making headlines is uh, Joel Embiid with the new uh, mandate by the NBA that you have to play at least 65 games to be eligible for MVP and All Pro. Uh, Joel Embiid can only miss five more games, I believe it is. Might be up to down to four now. Um, he had the left knee swelling that caused him to miss, and then uh, recently against the Warriors, got that left knee falling on. And left the game, so there's concern that he might miss time. It's interesting that the head coach made a point of saying it's different. It's yeah. the same knee. Structurally, uh, have you heard the MRI results? I mean, I was probably traveling when they were talking about it. 
yesterday. Yeah, I've, I've I don't anticipate the MRI will show anything structural. I mean, it's a hyperextension of the knee when he got landed on, but the floor prevented it from being any ligament damage. Uh, for a knee that's already sore, is that going to irritate it? Yes. I don't see anything structural. But I think it's a fait accompli that Embiid will not play enough games and will not be an MVP consideration. First of all, you have to have a pretty special season to win it two times in a row anyways, right? There's sort of bias. You already want it. Let's give it to somebody else. So even on that basis, he's probably not getting it. But it's almost easier for him to miss one more than the minimum number of games. Say, you know, I'm just not in consideration. Not that he's trying to do it purposefully. He's got the lingering knee issue. This isn't going to help him with this many games to go. I don't see how he makes the minimum number. Yeah, I think but that I don't think I think more important to the Sixers is having him for the playoffs. And he said that himself on the broadcast recently before the knee injury. He was saying, you know, the whole minimum thing is in his mind, but he wants to get the playoffs healthy and he hasn't done that the past couple of years. Yeah, and that's going to be the more important thing for Embiid to try and get there healthy, not this MVP stuff. So I think you can I mean our MVP calls have been pretty good this year so far. Yeah. I mean, Lamar hasn't gotten it yet, but he will, right, from that Christmas game when we were saying it. It's not going to be Purdy. It's going to be Lamar right. plus 500. You can write off Joel Embiid, I think, at this point in time. Yeah. Uh, you can head to Six Score for more NBA updates. Uh, Twitter as well is where we put all that stuff out. Uh, yeah, I think we're next podcast we're going to be coming to you uh, from Radio Row. We'll have you grab a couple guests. I'll splice it together, and we'll uh, put out some special talks. Yeah, that's going to be different. Usually, I'm always just a guest at Radio Row, right? Maybe some walk-around stuff, but it'll be interesting to do podcast stuff from there, different guests and uh, and so forth. All right. All right. Um, anything else for this week? No, just uh, go Niners. Hope it's the opposite of uh, 2019. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know yeah. if that means I want to be down ten going into the fourth quarter, but there can't be more than a couple players on each squad that were even around there, right? Yeah. How many how many 49ers were there in Miami? I didn't count, Kittle. but uh Kittle, Debo, uh Jimmy G was the quarterback, so not not Purdy, obviously. Uh Fred Warner was there. I think that's close to it. And the Chiefs, obviously, Mahomes and Kelsey. I'm not sure anyone from their offensive line. Chris Jones was there. Chris Jones was there. I mean, look, less than 10, right? I mean, yeah. yet everyone ascribes all this stuff. I think the more interesting one is this. And I think Andrew Brandt pointed it out. It wasn't that long ago that the NFL, like, there were lawsuits about the gambling stuff and that, Tony Romo was prevented from having an off-season fantasy football convention <laughs> because it was going to be located at a Vegas casino convention center. And Tony Romo was forbidden to go there and do this. And I forget what year that was, but it wasn't that long ago. And now not only do the, does the NFL have a franchise there, they're hosting the Super Bowl there. And then the ultimate irony, who's the main broadcaster? Tony Romo. <laughs> <laughs> so, from banned 
going to Vegas for his NFFC fantasy football thing to being the voice or analyst at the Super Bowl in Las Vegas. <laughs> it's an interesting. Uh, I, think, I think the producers will remind him not to uh, tell that story on air. With that, I think the producer will remind, remind Tony Romo not to tell that story on air. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, Tony Romo, listen though. I mean, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, that'd be interesting if he has a veiled reference to it. Uh, kind yeah, of, kind of thing. <laughs> you know, there's so many prop bets. There's probably a prop bet out if Tony Romo will refer to Taylor Swift as Mrs. Kelsey again, or. <laughs> Right, there's probably a prop bet on that. I mean, there's yeah. a prop bet on how long was the super, there's a national anthem. There's a prop bet on the color of the Gatorade. There's a prop bet on the coin toss, which is very popular. This, that, the other. I mean, I would imagine there's probably a prop bet on everything <laughs> uh, over under the number of times Taylor Swift is shown, yeah, or you know, who All knows, that stuff. Uh, kind, of, kind of thing. I'll, there's there's going to be something like that. <laughs> That's a good one. All right. Uh, Thanks for listening, watching Pro Bowl. Is anyone going to watch anything at the Pro Bowl? Yeah, I mean, um, had that on the list, but then uh, didn't get to it in time. But the flag football is the, the interesting uh, component of that. I think we talked about that in past podcasts. Yeah, and, and like last year, uh, Miles Garrett injured his toe or something, right? At the Pro Bowl games, I'm telling you that flag football is risky. High speed cutting. Remember, knock on wood, and I'll say it now so we try it doesn't try to come true. 75 to 80% of ACL tears are non-contact. That high speed flag football game, non-contact. Oof. I would be worried. Back in the day, it was a Patriots running back flag football in the sand. Kind of derailed, ended his career. It was a yeah. rookie game in Hawaii way back when. I hope it doesn't happen. But let me tell you, there's some risk there in terms of competitive juices get flowing, hard cutting, etc. cetera. Uh, unusual moves because flag football is a little bit different in terms of right. what you have to do compared to different angles, different evasive techniques, etc. Not quite the normal stuff. So hopefully... It remains safe. I mean, they're trying to keep it safe by not really having the regular game, right? Which is a patty cake game anyways. Yeah. So hopefully there'll be no injuries. I don't even know when it's on. I'm not sure how much we'll watch. We'll <laughs> I see. think there's events today and then Sunday. Today and Thursday. But not even in Las Vegas, right? They're back in they're in Florida. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Thanks for watching this thing. Sports Injury Central Pro Football Dog Podcast will be all over Radio Row next week. Everything there. Uh, looking forward to an exciting Super Bowl week in Las Vegas. Uh, and appreciate the five-star reviews. And go to SICscore.com. Thank you.